Now a reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 6. I'll be reading from verse 35 through 41. 35, rather, then 41 through 51. This from the Common English Bible. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Jewish opposition grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They asked, isn't this Jesus, Joseph's son, whose mother and father we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus responded, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless they are drawn to me by God who sent me, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has listened to God and learned from God comes to me. No one has seen God except the one who is from God. He has seen God. I assure you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that whoever eats from it will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my own. Here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Amen. It turns out that the, quote, word made flesh is more than some kind of miracle worker, or Jesus, the son of Joseph, but is one that points to God, one that connects and makes us participants in the divine life. It is not uncommon for us to confuse the thing with the person, the symptom for the problem or with the problem. As we've discussed in recent weeks, those that were fed that day, the feeding of the 5,000, have now come looking for more. Jesus then faces them with the opportunity for a different kind of life if they so choose to participate in it. And those of us who claim to follow in the way of Jesus as best as we can, find ourselves invariably, it seems, facing some difficult choices. Will we receive the sort of food, or one could say, the sort of satisfaction or fulfillment that comes from a disciplined life, one laser beam focused on compassion and justice and equality, and call it good? Or will we go even deeper? Will we become regular participants in these activities that look a lot like the divine, one might say, will we become regular participants in the divine life? For those who have eyes to see it, it is almost like God reaching out to us, providing a way for grace, opening the doors for the holy to live right in plain sight among us again and again and again. It has been like this from the beginning. I can just imagine the rich earth that produces fruit as described in those early chapters of the Hebrew scriptures we call Genesis. I can almost hear the stories of people gathering around food and the promise of a land full of milk and honey. 
I can also hear the prophetic call for us to not forget about those who hunger. After all, God has never forgotten, has always provided, and so should we. In our eating and drinking, we too participate in this long story of a God who feeds and a people who serve. In a God who gives of God's self and a people who follow in the way. No wonder those of us who participate in the eating of the bread of life are participating in something more. So those of us who eat this bread... Well, we eat in our own peril, you could say. We cannot eat of this bread and forget. We cannot eat of this bread and walk away. We cannot eat of this bread and go on with life as usual. In fact, when we eat and when we drink and when we become part of the very central activity and posture of our life together, the central reason for our gathering, we too are saying that God's will, God's dream, if you prefer, for all of us, all of us, and all the world is to be restored to be healed, to be made whole. And it's not just a silly, spiritual-sounding devotional practice here, nor a super-religious, pious memorial of some far-off, distant reality. No. This is to be how we live this shared life together. A shared life where my humanity is bound up in your humanity and vice versa. No, instead we come to the bread of life again and again with the promise that God will come, that the spirit we are naming will show up in how we actually live our lives, that the claim we make will be made present, that you and I will find ourselves part of a new reality, transformed into God's own pushed, propelled, well, into the reality of being an active part of God's very own presence in the world. So when we eat and we drink together, literally, but metaphorically as well, we recognize that Jesus, the bread of life, was showing us a way to become one that is available and yet mysterious, showing us that we too have access to the divine life, that we too can enter into God's presence and even become a part of it here on this earth. What would it look like for us to be a people, a church, that strived intentionally to feed people as best as we can? How would we feed people? What about who we are or what we offer provides for abundant living right now? What about people uh, who we are? I mean, what about who we are as a people, rather? Draws us into see our very lives as a direct and important part of God's never-ending active presence in this world. Do you ever stop and think about our lives that way. In our eating and in our drinking, in our sharing of resources, 
and our lives, we have an opportunity to make sure that those resources that we offer, that the table that we spread, that the door that we open becomes central to God's activity in the world and to people's lives every day in the real world. People every day, hungry people, people in need, people in desperate need of relationship, in desperate need of one another can begin to experience this wonder-filled, wonderful healing and restorative community. What if Jesus was never to be the bread of life to be gobbled up by his followers? But what if he was to show us how to become a feeding people ourselves? Bread for the world ourselves. What if we focus our time and attention on becoming a community of living bread together? What if we took more seriously the reality of God's own presence in and through our own actions? And when we are passive and allow others to literally go hungry around us, we saw this as our own failure or shortcoming and not a failure of society. What if we took ownership? Wouldn't this be more like the original vision God had of us truly becoming our sister, our brother, our sibling's keeper? Eating generally assumes that we are hungry, that we are in need of sustenance or nourishment. Now, sometimes I think we want to eat because we feel bored. I know that's me sometimes at home around the refrigerator. But part of the challenge of the shared life, and speaking about this in a larger sense, is the recognition of our own dependence and interdependence. You see, in eating, we are recognizing our own dependence on God, on others, no longer relying on signs and wonders, instead recognizing our own basic need, recognizing that in this eating and in this drinking and this gathering, we are able to experience God's self. We need sustenance and we need something more. We need to truly see important work that we are involved in, that we are involved in together. And those who share in this common vision become living bread together. So do we gather week after week like those that day who came looking for another sign and yet missed it entirely? Do we gather week after week around the table looking for the magic, looking for that spiritual fix, ignoring the subversive and shared life and transforming power of this life we call bread? Or do we see ourselves as the bread that God offers the world, just the way Jesus spoke of his life and his gifts? Okay, now here's a tough question for you. Some of you may not be quite ready for this. What if we stopped worshiping Jesus and started following him with our daily lives? What if instead of being mesmerized when we stop and think of Jesus as the bread of life, we began being inspired, motivated to follow his example? What if God expects us to be this bread for the world and we've been waiting for someone else to do it? 
This way of living and loving in the world is not only contrary to the way that most of the rest of the world lives, but it's also contrary to the ways that many parts of the church, with a capital C, live at large. The very faith we proclaim has been privatized and consumerized so that God is no more than a spiritual Big Mac that is gobbled down when people feel the need for temporary superficial relief from weariness or perhaps misery or a little suffering. But few ever turn the corner to see that we are to be the bread God offers a starving world. Truly, how can the churches who are so caught up with so much energy and time and, quote, conviction, how can these churches swallow this kind of a, a, a lie? They're caught up condemning and demonizing the marginalized, but how can they ever feed them if they're demonizing them? If the church swallows the lie that some human beings can be classified as illegal because of which side of a border they happen to have been born on, the church will never bother to feed them. And ironically, the church will never be fed by those folks in community either. If the church swallows the lie that some human beings are less worthy than others because uh, they work more hours or less hours at a job, how will the church ever feed them or be fed by them in community. If the church swallows the lie that because of one person's sexual or gender expression, they will never truly be as worthy as someone else until they change it, how will the church ever feed them or be fed by them in community? Because the feeding goes both ways. <laughs> the irony is so rich. Churches who draw circles in the sand on, or on the pavement, naming who is in and who is out, are actually the very ones starving to death on the proverbial inside. Because you cannot love your neighbor when you are the one who has drawn the line on the ground and left your neighbor on the other side of the line. A part of the challenge is our recognition that there are many around us that go each and every day without the sustenance they need to be their true selves. That as we gather for feasting day after day, week after week, there are many that have no such sustenance. There are many parts of the church, not just out there in the world, where People fight about who has worked enough and who has enough initiative. There are those who argue with one another about what it takes to be, quote, successful or what it means to be, quote, faithful, wanting to draw the line, who's in and who's out, and all of that. We miss the point. We miss the invitation. We, like those who came back on that day, are still unsure of whom it is that we have encountered and how we are supposed to respond ourselves. I am the living bread. Open your eyes. See the light. Maybe now we can recognize, friends, that we too, you and I, and we together have been beneficiaries of an amazing life of abundance and are called to be the same kind of bread for the world. Now, we have found our sustenance but instead of using it as a consumer, my prayer is that our sustenance would propel us right back into the neediness and hunger of the world in the places it's starving and hurting.
Instead of finding that sustenance and thinking our job is done, once we feel full, may we allow it to energize us into speaking on behalf of those that have no voice. Instead of having that sustenance call us to task again and again into the ways that our own life is part of the problem, we have too often continued eating our fill, acting as if we've earned it or deserve it, ignoring the plight of those who need this sustenance the very most. The community called the church is or should be at its core a community of people who hunger A community of people called together around table whose own identity is rooted in what it means to be sustained by the presence of God that is found not by a ghost or in a vapor, but in the shared life every time we come together. From the very beginning of the story of faith, God has been giving us of God's self and inviting us to take in the sustenance and use the sustenance we find in community as a source of living and being and doing that illumines the path not only for ourselves but of other co-strugglers so that they too can find the way to this mysterious, magnificent, messy, shared life together. The kingdom of God, the beloved community, the more excellent way. So when we leave our doors and leave our gatherings of prayer and worship and praise, we are to walk out of the doors and work tirelessly for the sustenance and feeding of a hungry, starving world. Archbishop Oscar Romero of El Salvador, who died a martyr, he told us that the Eucharist that is, communion, makes us look back to Calvary 20 centuries ago, but it also looks ahead to the future, to the eternal and definitive horizon that presents itself as a demanding ideal to all political systems, to all social struggles, to all those concerned for the earth. May our congregations, may our gatherings, may our conversations become the center, the active place we participate in creating this future beginning in the present. May we together begin to make a way to the shared life, this mysterious presence of God of which we are all called to be a part in our eating, so that is to say, in the ways that we find sustenance. May we become a people that begin to extend life and nourishment, a people who live out the meaning of sharing this sacred life, demonstrated to us by one named Jesus, but offered without requirement or prerequisite to a hungry world. There are many who are looking and seeking, many who are hungry. There are many who are searching. So may we become together even more fully the body that feeds them. May we become the body that proclaims the identity of the bread of life to this broken and hungry world. All of us together sharing in this strangely sacred shared life as one people. May it be so. Amen.